This is September 12, 2021. We uh, didn't have a show on the calendar until a couple of days ago when this fool rushed in where angels fear to tread. And uh, given how I'm in the last stage of clearing our house out, was not the best timing for me, but I couldn't resist doing it. Felt obligated um, because of this time we're living through. I've just heard from so many, many people in Doksan and elsewhere uh, of how how lost, how lost so many of us are. Primarily, most most obviously, with the pandemic, the status of the pandemic, the the variants, Delta, now Mu, um, and how we're we're just not managing to pull out of it. And and uh, it occurred to me that uh, we might have to be wearing masks a fair amount for years. I mean, that is a possibility until we reach herd immunity, they say, until uh, these people who refuse to get vaccinated or refuse to wear a mask and then clog up our hospitals and put medical professionals at risk until there's a change. There's a, there are more people on board for this then we're, we're going to just be limping along. And uh, limping is, I think, limping on our way to demise. This Teisho will be something of a meditation on death. You know, there's a practice in, in Buddhism, it's not Zen as such, but there's a practice where uh, you meditate on the the very physical, granular process of dying and how even now, when we're healthy, uh, it's only a matter of time. That uh, it's always been understood by true Buddhists that uh, there's a one, one terminal illness we all have, which is birth. And that we don't resolve the great matter of birth and death uh, by avoiding it, denying it. First, before going further <coughs> along those lines, <coughs> I, I, I have to comment on uh, yesterday being the uh, 20 years since 9-11. It's a, a real, to say it was a, a terrible, terrible, life-changing event is, is putting it mildly. And I, I respect all the memorials. We need them. 
memorials to our country as we knew it. I'm going to start by reading from an article uh, dated a few days ago by Michelle Goldberg in the New York Times, and it's titled, How 9-11 Turned America into a Half-Crazed Fading Power. I'm just going to read little snippets of it. Um, the whole idea of of uh, invading uh, Iraq as uh, and before that Afghanistan as a as a kind of a triumph of the wills. And she says we didn't win. The danger jihadist terrorism posed to our country, while serious was never truly existential. Al-Qaeda fell apart shortly after its greatest triumph, that is, the the towers, the Twin Towers. Yet the damage September 11th did to the United States was more profound than even many pessimists anticipated. The attacks and our response to them catalyzed a period of decline that helped turn the United States into the debased, half-crazed, fading power we are today. And I don't know how many people would dispute what she's saying as far as this mess we've gotten ourselves into nationally. America launched a bad-faith global crusade to instill democracy in the Muslim world and ended up with our own democracy in tatters. She goes on, the 9-11 attack turned out to be a Pyrrhic victory for Al-Qaeda because we remained in Afghanistan and invaded Iraq where our war sowed chaos that would enable the rise of ISIS. In time, ISIS, originally a spin-off of Al-Qaeda, came to eclipse the group founded by bin Laden. ISIS's indiscriminate brutality, especially against other Muslims, appalled an earlier generation of jihadists. Some of al-Qaeda's original leadership ended up like many other aging, disillusioned radicals disgusted by the excesses of their progeny. But this doesn't mean bin Laden failed. Today al-Qaeda has reconstituted itself It is now far larger than it was two decades ago, and the United States in September 2021 is in truly terrible shape. Twenty years ago, we were credulous and blundering. Now we're sour, suspicious, and lacking in discernible ideals. I don't think she's overstating it. Bush's own political party has radicalized against democracy. Faith in human freedom has curdled into the petulant solipsism of the anti-vaxxers. Since 9-11, more Americans have been killed by far-right terrorists than by jihadists. White supremacists have both recruited disillusioned veterans of the war on terror and encourage their supporters to join the military to gain tactical experience. 
You can't draw a straight line between the Twin Towers falling and America entering a protracted nervous breakdown. The end of any empire has multiple causes. But in his recent book, Reign of Terror, How the 9-11 Era Destabilized America and Produced Trump, Spencer Ackerman convincingly links the madness that overcame this country after September 11th with the rise of a president who, among other things, campaigned on a promise to end Muslim immigration and bring back torture. The this is Ackerman, the painful condition of neither peace nor victory against an enemy seen as practically subhuman itself required vengeance. Trump offered himself as its instrument, declaring his presidential candidacy in his golden tower. He asked, when was the last time the U.S. won at anything? That's just sort of setting the table for uh, where we are now. She, uh, she uses the phrase uh, nervous breakdown. Um, and uh, in reference to empires falling in another uh, article from actually from a year ago, before the vaccine had been developed, uh, in, uh, in the Rolling Stone magazine, there was an article called The Unraveling of America. Uh, the subtitle is uh, Anthropologist Wade Davis on how COVID-19 signals the end of the American era. Just as a just as a reminder, <clears throat> of the nature of empires, the nature of empires is our nature. Everything has a beginning, a middle, and an end, as as it says in, sometimes in Buddhist. Buddhist texts. This uh, Wade Davis, uh, he he lays into uh, Trump, of course. Um, that's that's like shooting fish in a barrel. But then uh, goes on to talk about uh, what what has torn us apart uh, this, this, the, the real real 
illness, the sickness, we could call it terminal sickness of this country uh, in deeper terms, in terms of, of uh, loss of our, our fiber, meaning our institutional fiber and our trust of one another. About empire, he says, no empire long endures, even if few anticipate their demise. Every kingdom is born to die. That's straight up Buddhism, impermanence. The 15th century belonged to the Portuguese, the 16th to Spain, the 17th to the Dutch. France dominated the 18th and Britain the 19th. Now we have the so-called American century. He compares the enormous uh, pulling together, marshalling of, of, of community spirit, of national spirit uh, that happened during World War II uh, to, in terms of industry and, and all, and uh, compares it to our miserable ineffectiveness in uh, combating the, the pandemic. says that more than any other country, the United States in the post-war era lionized the individual at the expense of community and family. It was the sociological equivalent of splitting the atom. What was gained in terms of mobility and personal freedom came at the expense of common purpose. In wide swaths of America, the family as an institution lost its grounding. And uh, on and on about the uh, kind of the the, the uh, diagnosis of our of our current sickness. I don't think many people need to be convinced that we're a desperate, desperately sick country, uh, what has really compounded it all and why we might very well argue that, uh, that there's no turning back is, of course, uh, climate change, global warming. And this, of course, affects not just our own country, but the whole world. The West Coast is burning. The East Coast, as we saw recently, is underwater. Maureen Dowd said, America is reeling backwards, strangled by the past, nasty and uncaring, what with everyone at one another's throats. We feel the return of dread. We're rattled by the catastrophic <coughs> exit from Afghanistan, the coming abortion war sparked by Texas, the Trumpian Supreme Court dragging us into the past, the confounding nature of this plague, the way Mother Nature is throttling us, leaving New Yorkers to drown in their basements. 
It feels as if nothing can be overcome, she says. Everything is being relitigated. And then finally, with a memory like a goldfish, America circles its bowl, returning to where we have been, unable to move forward, condemned to repeat a past we should escape. So, just just as a proposal, as an as an idea to consider, just as we consider our inevitable death as individuals, um, the world ending. There, I said it. The world ending. I, I spoke of this uh, last year in a Tay show, and there were a couple of people who said that I left them depressed and all, but come on, boo-hoo, we're not always going to be around. There is a, there is a, 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 a short piece in the Zenbo last year that I think is just just so much to the point. It was, it was written in 1948 uh, um, by, a, um, C, by C.S. Lewis. It was, he called this piece on living in an atomic age. Okay, so this was long after the previous pandemic in 1918, 1919. And here in 48, uh, everyone was waking up to the threat of annihilation through atomic war. And he points out, in one way we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. And then he, he, he poses a, a question that many people would, were, were posing. How are we to live in an atomic age? And then he himself answers, I am tempted to reply. Why? as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. And then he says, in other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. It's perfectly ridiculous, he says, to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and which, in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made, he goes on, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together 
If we're all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human, human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts. Not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, and he says in parentheses, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. And this, I think, I just couldn't find a better way to, to express where, where I stand with all this. Yes, uh, even if the world is going to pass because of climate change and maybe you know decades more but uh, you know what the scientists say we've we've passed the point of no return but it doesn't mean we go about um, acting out by wasting our resources and giving up on matters of uh, personal responsibility why because that is the way the 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 Tao is to live in a way that doesn't cause harm to others, unnecessary harm. We just need to live in accordance with the Dharma, whatever may happen. There is a. Uh, a very, very important, famous koan in the, in the Mumonkan, uh, near the end, number 47, uh, Tosotsu's Three Barriers. And I'd like to just, just pick this up and consider it in terms of the United States of America uh, on its deathbed. He says, Mumon says, Tosotsu set up three barriers to test his monks. The first barrier, to inquire after the truth, groping your way through the underbrush, is for the purpose of seeing into your self-nature. At this moment, where is your nature? One way to understand this is uh, to inquire about how we can save ourselves, how we can find our way through these, this convergence of global threats, national threats for sure. It is a groping. We're all groping. That's what prompted me to do the Taisho. It's hearing from so many people who are groping. We don't know. We don't know where this is going, except in the very broad sense of following the nature of everything as terminating eventually. But even terminating is not terminating. People who don't believe in rebirth have a big extra burden when facing death. Because they, if they see it as an end, 
our own body or our country or our earth, our biosphere, if we see nothing beyond the perishing of the body or the country or the earth, then, whoa, I don't know what you do with that. To inquire after the truth. We're all doing that now. Puzzling over this. Searching. And again, it's not just the, the pandemic. It's the political chaos. That horrid hatred and tribalism. And some suspicion and fake news. And social media misuse. At this moment... Where is our nature? Second of the three barriers. When you realize your nature, you are free from, free from life, free from death. When the light of your eyes is falling, how can you be free from life and death? Okay, again, let's just suppose that the light of our eyes nationally and globally is fading, is falling. How can we be free from life and death? Well, for starters, by seeing what is beyond life and death. I don't mean rebirth now. Life and death, what we call life and death, is just one side of the coin. It's the world of phenomena. What about what is beyond phenomena? That's what awakening presents, offers, is that perspective. right now as the light of our eyes on this planet earth is falling how can we be free from life and death well it's it's not by trying to escape life and death it's not by trying to escape the world of social uh, progress by trying to escape the world of change that's, that's on the same side of the coin phenomena working for change it's not by um, giving up There is in, in Buddhism a, a practice of meditating on death. I guess I mentioned that already. Um, 
but but the point of it being as a way to more fully embrace life, embrace the present. That's what I intend through this Teisho is uh, to face the demise of our country and our world as a way to get going and really fully in, in, engage with the world in any way we may feel moved to do so. There's a there's a Japanese movie uh, in the 1960s, I think. I think it was called Ishiru, but it, it um, regardless of the name, it was about a man in Japan who receives a, a, a diagnosis of terminal illness, and how what it did for him was to prompt him to to mobilize his efforts to work for the good of the local community. I can't remember what it was, uh, building a playground for children or it doesn't matter. It was it was awakened in him this compassionate heart that had lain dormant while he was in good health. We can only benefit in, in terms of our finding some peace of mind, some settledness in such of these, these chaotic conditions. We can only benefit by stepping back and getting a bigger perspective on time. It's again what C.S. Lewis was saying, that there's nothing nothing so special about this time. Worlds have been, been being born and dying for since beginningless time. Star systems, planets, the, the, the length of, of human existence as as far as we know it's 6000 years i think is nothing compared to cosmic time <coughs> the the ultimate perspective balancing perspective broad perspective is to see time as no time and that appears in the verse of this koan. This one instant as it is, is the whole of eternity. The whole of eternity is at the same time this one instant. found a little entry in a book I still remember from when I first began Zen practice. It just 
really uh, stuck. This is, this is a collection of, of uh, it says, of Zen and pre-Zen writings. The book is called Zen Flesh, Zen Bones. Um, and on page 106, we find this attributed to the Buddha. Who knows if it was the Buddha, but let's say it was the Buddha. And this is what he reportedly said. I consider the positions of kings and rulers as that of dust motes. I observe treasures of gold and gems as so many bricks and pebbles. I look upon the finest silken robes as tattered rags. I see myriad worlds of the universe as small seeds of fruit and the greatest lake in India as a drop of oil on my foot. I perceive the teachings of the world to be the illusion of magicians. I discern the highest conception of emancipation as a golden brocade in a dream and view the holy path of the illuminated ones as flowers appearing in one's eyes. I see meditation as a pillar of a mountain, nirvana as a nightmare of daytime. I look upon the judgment of right and wrong as the serpentine dance of a dragon and the rise and fall of beliefs as but traces left by the four seasons. It is, uh, it is through Zazen as one method. Zazen offers a way that we grow into this perspective, this immense, this timeless perspective, which is really seeing things in their proper proportion. Even if, yes, our days the, the life of this planet and of our country are numbered, and of course they are, as everything is numbered. Um, why would that, why need that leave us in a state of depre depression or distress? Third barrier of Tosotsu's barriers. When you are free from life and death, you know where you will go. When the four elements separate, where are you off to? You can see why this 47th koan is considered as so, um, so extremely important in uh, the koan curriculum in the Rinzai tradition, I've once heard of, uh, to resolve, once you've resolved this koan, the 47th in Mumonkan, that's when you can receive a raksu. It's based on um, passing koans, these koans, as a measure of, of uh, attainment. We tried that in the early days of the center, um, having raksus given out based on uh, koan experience and it just created so many problems of envy and resentment and self uh, criticism that we, we switched to what we have now of uh, that when we uh, that when we have 
taken the precepts formally in a ceremony and in doing that uh, embracing this Dharma uh, in a very decisive way that's when uh, by by receiving a Raksu we, we are really wearing we are wearing our commitment to the Dharma but back to the third third barrier when you're free from life and death you know where you will go this follows from the previous one how can you be free from life and death and then when you are you know where you will go and the four elements separate where are you off to so when you die where are you off to When we're free from life and death, free from notions, ideas about these and other dualities, what does it matter where we're going? Here we are. Here we are. And, and, and ultimately, this is the truth. Uh, that we don't know that the world we're in in the next 500 years we can be sure that uh, the American Empire will end in a shorter time than that as all empires have but it's really the the the, the, the classroom answer, not the the koan resolved, but the cas- classroom answer to this is, I don't know. When the four elements separate, where are you off to? Pfft, who knows? There's a famous uh, exchange where a uh, monk asks his Zen master, when you die, where are you going? Where will you go? He said, I don't know. And the monk said, well, you're a Zen master, aren't you? And he said, yeah, but not a dead one. <laughs> but this is this third barrier is pointing us uh, in a different direction than some future um, that we don't know anyway. As, as our sitting is pointing us. Our sitting is, is, is bringing us back, if you can use the word back, to just this. It's, it's perhaps uh, of some use to be aware that uh, our country, our world, is, is, is in decline and facing extinction, just as it's of some use that we recognize the, the, the uh, certainty of our own death and the uncertainty of the time of our death. Really, it's just what, what, are, what are nations, what are, what's the world? It's just a collective of individual creatures, all of us uh, subject to impermanence. 
And if, 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 if we can just, okay, acknowledge that, uh, and then renew our efforts to live in accordance with the Dharma, the way, the truth. What does that mean? It, let's, we, need to, we need to respond uh, out of the moment. That's what it means. It's the truth of the moment, the Dharma of the moment. What's called for? What, who needs help? What, what, what uh, crises can we help with? it up now and we'll take it to the next step which is to recite the four vows.